Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime podcast. I'm Aryan, your host for this episode, and I'm Ishwarya. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our YouTube channel, the Desi Crime channel, and subscribe. It's free. See, we're not even asking for your money. We have season 1 out now. All the cases on our podcast that you loved, get ready to experience them in a whole new way. So go subscribe to the Desi Crime YouTube channel. We'd also like to thank our newest patrons Jonathan Reisman, Ali H. Kero, Shamima Khatun, Priya Singh. Thank you so much for all the contributions you make which truly help in sustaining the show. Why didn't going to the church that? Why didn't taking you home? He said he's going to take me home tomorrow. I have no idea. He's not going to take you home, Nadia. I know that's what he said. He said he been saying that for how many days that you want to go home, right? A murder involves a murderer, the murdered, a murder weapon and more often than not a motive. This template is true for most cases covered on our podcast and on any true crime podcast for that matter. But where there is a rule, there is an exception. The case we have for you today is one such exception. This case has a murder, but no murder weapon, no motive and no murderer. This is the story of a 22-year-old girl that shook the city of Philadelphia. This is the story of Nadia Malik. Welcome back, Ishwara. Thank you, thank you. Welcome back, Aryan, and welcome back to all of our listeners from what I hope was an incredible winter break, an awesome New Year, and an awesome January first to what's going to be a great twenty twenty three. A great twenty twenty three, indeed. You know, our listeners make a two week break seem like we've been gone for two years. The way that for the so text long, we've been I receiving know. so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Ishwara, the story I have. for you today has made it into my top 5 list of most fascinating and bewildering cases i have ever come across even after knowing this case inside out i am left with so many unanswered questions many of which we will be exploring today and i just want to tell our listeners that this enthusiasm that aryan is expressing right now it was the same when he came across this case he texted me in all caps saying <laughs> don't listen to the latest crime junkies episode the case of nadia malik and thankfully i haven't heard it so i have all of these unanswered questions i'm sure that i'm going to explore over this episode with you I'm I'm not going to lie Ishwara I was pleasantly surprised that the true crime connoisseur Ishwara Singh hadn't devoured this episode right when it was released not but yet, alas no. <laughs> you hadn't this case had always been on my radar but I never thought enough information existed in the public domain for me to you know make a cohesive narrative out of it until a couple of months ago when the godmother of true crime podcasting Ashley Flowers covered this case on her podcast Crime Junkies She worked with the victim's family to get access to audio tapes and other documents that tell us so much about this case and 
All audios in this episode are provided by the Malik family to Crime Junkies, and it is from there that we have sourced it. Link to their episode and other sources is in our bio. So, Aran, tell me, who is this mystery woman, Nadia Malik, and where is she at at this moment, the moment that you're taking us to? I'm taking you all the way back to 2014, almost a decade ago, when folks close to Nadia Malik were wondering the same thing as you just asked. Where in the world is Nadia Malik? You see, up until the first week of Feb of that year, Nadia, a 22-year-old pharmacy worker, was going on with her regular life and living with her family. But around the 6th of February 2014, life for the Maliks changed forever. On that cold winter day of February 6th, a black Nissan Altima with black tinted windows and a Pennsylvania license plate that read JFM 5047 was coursing through the streets of Pennsylvania. Now, Pennsylvania is a big state in the US, but at the moment we aren't in any of its big cities. In fact, we find ourselves in a small township called Marple in Delaware County. This is a small town in good old America. A Nissan Altima is an inconspicuous sedan and the one in question looks just like any other car you see on the road. Except this car is anything but a generic automobile. It is the centre of today's story. Driving this car is Bhupender Singh, a 25-year-old Indian-American. He knows Marple Township like the back of his hand. He's not a stranger in the small town. After all, his girlfriend's parents live here. And on that day of 6th of February, his girlfriend was at her parents' house. He was there to pick her up. His girlfriend, Bhupender's girlfriend, was the woman in question, Nadia Malik. Bhupender was there to pick Nadia up. Now, lest you think he was there to pick her up for a Starbucks date, let me set the record straight from the get-go. This was anything but a happy couple going on a jolly date. Nor was this a first or a second date. Despite being just 22 years old, Nadia had been dating Bhupinder since she was in 11th grade, which in the US is called junior high. So by this point, Nadia had dated this man and vice versa for seven whole years. They were each other's life and in being so, unfortunately, each other's only lifeline. We all glamorize stories of high school sweethearts and as adorable and heartwarming as they are, there is a downside to molding your world entirely around that one person. You become extremely vulnerable to their existence. This might sound like pop psychology, but in the case of Nadia and Bhupinder, it was horribly true. The two had a dependence on each other, an emotional attachment that had persisted since their teenage years. But it doesn't take much for dependence to turn into toxic dependence. It is a fine line really, and that is what happened in their case. The boy Nadia fell in love with didn't grow up to be the man she thought he would. Bhupender, from the outset of their relationship, was a controlling and abusive figure. And while Mr. Malik and his family weren't aware of the details, they never liked Bhupender. Mona, Nadia's sister, told the media how right from the beginning of this relationship, Nadia became a shell of who she was. The chirpy teenager suddenly began spending lesser and lesser time with her parents, and her grades started slipping. Her academic performance was down the gutter. 
I know there's kind of a downside to me claiming that sometimes our parents know our partners or see something in our partners that we don't necessarily see but we've had so many cases now where the parents just have this inkling this sixth sense that perhaps we should give not all heed to but more heed to than the victims in our cases have Yeah sometimes i think we forget that our parents were kids too and they too have lived right. a life they they weren't born 40 year old boring people uh they've been interesting <laughs> once upon a time and so we might as well pay heed to at least some of the things they have to offer yeah but let's come back to the cold winter day we find ourselves in Pennsylvania is a state in the northeast part of America, a part that gets infamously cold during the winters. Bombarding blizzards are all too common a sight. It hadn't gotten just as bad yet, but with each passing day, the snow cover was only casting its grip wider and wider. That day, Pupender had come to get his girlfriend to have a quote-unquote talk. Now, for Oof. anyone who's been in a relationship, a talk is never just a talk <laughs> something is about to go down but nadia knew what this quote and quote talk was going to be about you see nadia didn't actually live with her parents in fact she had very recently moved back with them around a month ago who she used to live with was her boyfriend bupender whose nickname was gagan we will refer to him by his original name although reporting in the media interchangeably uses those names so just be on the lookout for that Bhupender and Nadia were in a long-term live-in relationship in Lansdowne, a township just 22 minutes away from Marple. After 7 years of ups and downs and let's be frank, mostly downs, Nadia had finally decided to walk out on Bhupender. That's why she was back with her parents. But that day when Bhupender drove to Marple and asked Nadia to come down to talk to him, she acquiesced. She still somehow loved this man. And what's the worst that could happen anyway, right? I mean, she's been with this man for 7 whole years. How is one more car ride going to make a difference? Except it did. That day when she left her house to enter that black Nissan sedan, it was the last time she ever stepped out of her parents' house ever again. 6th of February becomes 7th of February, and 7th of February becomes 8th of February. Saturday comes along and no one has heard from Nadia. Again, this wasn't out of the ordinary, especially for Nadia's parents. They had never approved of this relationship in the first place, so Bhupender was often a cause of friction, as is common in Desi households in India and abroad. So when Nadia didn't communicate with them for over 48 hours, there wasn't anything suspicious about it because this used to happen often. But there was one person to whom this excommunicado of Nadia stood out, her really close friend Thomas Singh. Thomas Singh is an Indian-American army veteran who presently was studying to become an engineer. A side-by-side character analysis of him and Bhupender is almost like a game of opposites. Thomas is this well-built, good-looking chap, whereas Bhupender is this stout, round-bellied boyfriend. Thomas is an army veteran that commands respect wherever, but Bhupender is in some ways a good-for-nothing, dependent on his parents' money, with no employment of his own, and in debt. The thing is, Thomas and Bhupender aren't strangers. In fact, they were very close friends for the longest time, until Thomas saw how Bhupender used to treat Nadia. 
So Aran, you keep saying that Bhupinder treated Nadia poorly, and domestic violence is obviously a recurring theme in so many of our episodes. But I think when we're talking about murderers and criminals like the ones we do on our episodes, the degree of violence goes a long way in determining the character of the person that we're talking about. So is this one mm-hmm. of the more common examples of domestic violence that we hear of, perhaps every day in the news or whatever, or is there something more sinister that maybe Thomas is noticing? Great question, Ishwara, and you will find out just how abusive Bhupinder was shortly. Mm-hmm. But this was no ordinary arrangement of domestic violence. Thomas first found out about the extent of this damaged couple when he was hanging out with the two of them months ago. And remember, at this point, they were good friends. In fact, Bhupinder was friends with Thomas, not the other way around, where Nadia and Thomas right. knew each other. She, they, she was merely a mutual. So when months ago they were hanging out, Bhupender slapped Nadia right in the face right in front of Thomas. Jeez. That is something Thomas could not tolerate. If this is what is happening right in front of him, what exactly is happening behind the scenes, he wondered. That day onwards, Thomas's relationship with Nadia developed into a deep friendship, along which came feelings, which we'll get to. During the last few months, Nadia had resolved to finally leave Bhupender, as a consequence of which he was trying to coerce her into marrying him. Once married, he figured she was his, but Nadia was adamant to seek her freedom. Thomas became a shoulder to cry on, but also a shoulder to rely on. He was more than just a confidant. Which is why on February 8th, 2014, when Nadia had not shown up to her house in over 48 hours, Thomas was worried. He knew something was wrong, something was up. He knew Bhupinder wasn't the kind of person who would just want to talk. So he called Nadia and was finally able to establish communication with her. What he found out confirmed his suspicions. The situation between the two had escalated way past a conversation. At this point, Nadia was the victim of a quasi-abduction. Apparently, all the couple had been doing for the past couple of days was drive around Pennsylvania and the New Jersey Turnpike, stopping at gas stations for food and sleeping at random rest stops across the state. Oh my god, a quasi-abduction? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Yeah, I, I I coined the term and I'll get to why I coined the term quasi-abduction, nice. but it's 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 All my right. term. So I'm going to, if this becomes a famous episode, Ashwara, you know who started this. Credit to Aran. Um, but, yes. b- but you're right. No, no, but this was weird, right? New Jersey Turnpike, gas station, staying at random rest so stops. But weird. <laughs> yeah. that wasn't necessarily what worried Thomas. What worried him was when Nadia told him that Bhupender just isn't letting her leave. Bhupender kept promising to drop her back off at her parents and every now and then he would also promise that he'd drop her, hell, even at Thomas's apartment in Upper Derby, Pennsylvania. That never happened. He kept driving and she was effectively trapped in that Nissan Altima. It was no longer a car, it was a moving prison for her. But when I call this a quasi-abduction, Ishwarya, it is important you think of it as such as well. This isn't a bag around your head and handcuff abduction. In its essence, it's an emotional abduction. You see, Bhupinder is an abusive partner. In any abusive relationship, the partner acquiesces and submits to the abuser's demands for fear of backlash literal and figurative backlash. So it wasn't like Nadia was chained in the car, but she feared the consequences of disobeying Bhupender. 
That is why Nadia did not want the police involved. Forget the police, Nadia told Thomas that she didn't even want her family involved. She simply wanted the drama to subside without any additional drama. Initially, Thomas let Nadia have it her way. But after two days of false promises of return from Bhupinder, Thomas decided to act on his own volition. His first move was to call Nadia's parents himself and convince them that Bhupinder was up to no good. What happened next might surprise some of you. Mr. Malik, Nadia's father, assumed Thomas's alarms as some kind of a prank by Bhupinder. They simply refused to pay heed to another one of his shenanigans. Except this time, it wasn't a shenanigan, it wasn't Bhupinder calling them, it was actually Thomas. But they simply refused to believe it. Nadia wanted to come back home and Bhupinder wasn't letting her. Thomas felt helpless. And Ashwara, this incident reminded me of what one of our co-workers, Nick, says about Desi crime cases. Nick is the producer on Desi Crime's YouTube show. And he often notes in exasperation how the parents too often miss red flags. I couldn't help but think that this was a crimson bright red flag that was simply ignored. But, you know, then again, I empathize with the parents and so far as this was the boy who cried wolf a thousand times scenario. No, I agree. It's one of those situations where I understand why the parents reacted the way they did. But if only they had reacted differently, things could have been so different. It's that really like helpless feeling that I feel when I Mm, hear of parents who miss these flags. Yeah, yeah. And but you can't tell the parent that because then the parent you know, associates blame to themselves and that is not healthy at all because, of course, it's not the parents' fault. Of course, yeah. It was time for Thomas to take matters in his own hands. Despite his impulse, he continued to respect Nadia's insistence that police not be involved. But on 8th February, anxiously sitting in his Upper Derby residence, Thomas got on a call with Nadia. This time, he recorded the call. The objective to record it was to show her parents definitive proof that this isn't a prank. This is a problem and he would need the family's help in getting Nadia back, safe and sound. What you're about to hear is that very call between Nadia Malik and Thomas Singh. The tapes have been provided by the Maliks to the team at Crime Junkies. Why are they going to the future? Why are they taking you home? He said he's going to take me home tomorrow. I have no idea. He's not going to take you home, Nadia. I know, that's what he said. He said, he's been saying that for how many days now? You want to go home, right? Yeah, but didn't I tell you to tell my dad? Did you tell my dad? I did tell your dad. What did he say? He's not responding to me. He thinks I'm good then. He's like, please pick up. It's not that. Can Gavin hear what we're saying right now? No. Okay. I'm actually leaving him a voice note right now. Say what you want to say to him. Say to who? Say to your dad. For what? You want to go home, right? Yeah. You want to go home tonight? Yeah. You need help? Yeah. Governor's forcing you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Don't worry, we'll take care of this. Bye. But wait. What? I don't want any drama or trouble or any police involved in this. Don't worry, we'll take care of it. Promise, swear. I promise. I don't want any police involved in this, Russ. I'm just gonna go, like, move. 
No, just promise. Trust me. I'll talk to you later. What are bye. you doing? Don't worry. Bye. Even though Aryan, you've built up to the context of this call. There's something so eerie mm. and scary yes. about the call itself. Also, obviously, I've never been in a position like that. I have never experienced fear of that level. But her insistence, her constant insistence on not involving the police, is slightly weird. As if there was something about their relationship, something about the way that he was treating her in that car that we've perhaps missed or we don't know as the outsider. But it's just a lot of insistence on no cops. There is a lot of insistence on no cops, and there is also a weird calmness in her voice because so. To me, that's why I call this a quasi abduction, which is clearly she is emotionally imprisoned by this man who has committed, you know, um, dastardly things against her. But this right. is a moment where she's trapped in a car, traveling across US with no contact with the parents, and she is refusing the police, and she sounds rather calm, like there is no panic in her voice. So it is. That's why it's here. It, yeah. it is worth noting. Eighth becomes the ninth, and Sunday comes to light. Nadia is still missing. Her whereabouts are sketchy and constantly changing. Thankfully, Thomas and her still have a line of communication open. Now, Nadia conjures a new plan. She wanted Thomas to tell her brother Fawad, who lives in Georgia, to talk to Bhupender and hopefully solve the situation that way. Fawad was to some degree in the know-how of this tumultuous relationship. He had only found out the severity of the abuse when that January, Nadia was hospitalized on account of broken ribs. They broke when Bhupender pushed Nadia down the stairs when she insisted she wanted to leave this horrible relationship. Jesus Christ. So, Fawad knew enough to be extremely worried. According to Mona, Nadia's sister, Fawad was able to connect with Nadia that fateful Sunday, but the call went sideways really quick. Right at the tail end of that call, Nadia yelled at her brother that Bhupender is not letting her leave. That scream for help, a final SOS of sorts, was followed by a noisy disturbance, and then the line went cold. That was the last time anyone heard Nadia's innocent voice ever again. That commotion right at the end of the call, preceded by a plea for help, worried Fawad. He immediately dialed back when the call was hung up, but this time no one picked up. Instead, Bhupender gets onto Nadia's phone and begins texting, not from his phone, from Nadia's phone. At 8.51 in the morning, he texted Fawad saying he will drop Nadia off at her parents, she can then call him and all will be fine. Phew, right? Except, no, simultaneously, he is texting Thomas again from Nadia's phone. And don't get me wrong, this isn't an Aftab Poonawala scenario where he's trying to act like Nadia. He's upfront that it is him using the phone. He tells Thomas that the couple is grabbing a bite to eat and that Nadia will be back home by 11am. 11am goes by. Nadia isn't back yet. At 11.37am, Bhupender alters his story. He says that, oh, actually, Nadia dropped him off at his apartment, took the car and was headed home to her parents, which was like 10 minutes away. Now, this doesn't make any sense, Ishwara. The Nissan Altima is Bhupender's car. Why would he let her drive away with his car instead of just dropping her at the designated location and then going back to his place? 
no this doesn't make any sense at all and nobody should trust bhupender i wish i could just scream this from the top of a mountain don't trust bhupender it only gets worse and you know what what's even more nonsensical is that all of this is while he is still texting from nadia's phone so according to his initial statement nadia left without her phone in a car that doesn't belong to her why it makes no sense 10 minutes go by and lo and behold nadia still isn't back the story changes yet again Bupender tells on one hand Thomas that actually the couple is still together and on the other hand he tells Fawad that actually Nadia has driven away while he is at his apartment. Fawad calls bullshit on this claim. Everything Bupender has told them so far is a lie and now he's been caught making alternate statements. Thomas goes to Bupender's apartment to check if he's actually there and hoping that Nadia might also be found there. As you can expect Bupender refuses to let Thomas enter the building. In the US you need to be let into some buildings via a buzzer. You can't just walk in and Bupender refused to buzz Thomas in. At this point Thomas had had enough. This game had gone on for too long. The police had to be involved and so 911 was dialed. Thomas debriefed the police who had technicians open Bupender's door to conduct a safety check. But right from the get-go, something just didn't feel right. For starters, Bupender's apartment door was slightly ajar, and when the cops announced their arrival, they found the house empty. He was lying yet again. No one was home. Not Nadia, nor Bupender. The police locked the door as they're leaving in anticipation that this might be a crime scene, or at least related to a potential crime. So by locking the door they're preserving the contents of the house. But that's all the police does. Despite the glaring lies, the police doesn't yet initiate a full-fledged investigation. I'm sure part of the reasoning is that this appears to be a domestic dispute and it's not been that long yet. But regardless, Thomas doesn't stop. Bupender's stories and commitments keep changing. He promises to bring Nadia over at 5:30 in the evening. When that doesn't happen, he says that he has dropped her off at a Starbucks in the area. Thomas calls all the nearby Starbucks and gives a description of Nadia. She isn't there at any of the outlets. To this, Bupender backtracks and says, "Oh no, no, actually Nadia dropped me off at the Starbucks." The lies have oh become God. so recurrent and so dumb. Thomas doesn't know what to do. All he can do is hope, hope that Nadia is safe, unhurt, but most importantly, alive. Excuses for not dropping Nadia are flowing endlessly at this point. Oh, we are stuck in traffic. Oh, I swear I'm almost there. Just 30 more minutes. This and that and this and that, all to no avail. Nadia is still not back home. By this point around 10 p.m. Sunday night, Thomas has turned from a brave soldier to a beggar. He is helpless in his texts he is literally begging Bupender to just put Nadia on a call to say hi or if not that just a voice message from her would suffice. He just wanted to know that she is alive. You see ever since Thomas broke his friendship with Bupender and became Nadia's confidant that relationship didn't stay confined to friendship. Feelings on both sides appeared. Thomas wanted to save her from her hell and she finally found someone who had a shot at taking her out of it. But 
romantic interests were the least of anyone's priority at this moment. Where is Nadia Malik? Thomas was desperate. From being firm with Bhupender to begging, Thomas was now on his knees and bribing the truth out of this man. He offered to pay Bhupender's rent for him if he just lets him hear Nadia's voice. And this monetary offer evinces the principle of the famous Hollywood dialogue, America doesn't negotiate with terrorists. It might be a sticky line, hmm. but the essence is that it is very tough to have a good faith transaction when one party is hell-bent on doing harm. I think up to this point, whatever Bhupender was doing was because of being an abusive and super-controlling partner. Add into the mix financial incentive, something he hadn't thought about before, and I think his brain went for a sadistic joyride. He capitalized on Thomas's desperation and vulnerability. At 10.33 p.m., shortly after Thomas offered to pay the rent, Bhupendra texted him to add $100 to a CVS gift card and share the details with him. Only then wow. he would let Nadia talk to him. But he promised that he would. A CVS gift card is like an Amazon gift card, CVS being a pharmacy chain in America. Bhupender doesn't appear to be a seasoned criminal, but asking for a CVS card instead of money transfer online appears to me as a means to cover your tracks. Thomas realized he was being extorted. There was simply no way that Bhupender would comply. Hell, he hadn't even sent a picture or a voice note of Nadia up to that point. All of a sudden, $100 is going to make him do so. And if it tells you anything about a man, this guy hasn't paid his rent and is begging for a hundred bucks from an old friend. He clearly doesn't have his house together. But just how broken is his personal life and how broken is his relationship? No one knew until the cops went digging. Now the investigation is underway and the cops are on the hunt for Bhupender. The Maliks, Fawad and Thomas are worried sick. There has been no break in the case and no signs of Nadia. The worst fear tingles in everyone's spine. The question is no longer, where is Nadia Malik? What prods at everyone, whether or not they want to accept it, is, is Nadia Malik alive? Finally, there is a break of sorts, a sigh of relief at the very least. Footage from February 9th from a traffic light camera caught a black Nissan Altima number plate JFM 5047. The footage shows a woman driving the car, not a man. The woman was identified as Nadia. In the passenger seat is a man, presumably Bhupender. The family gets some solace. This at least proves that Nadia was alive and well on the afternoon of February 9th after that call with Fawad. Maybe the commotion at the end of the call didn't actually mean anything. As soon as this relief came, not so soon after, the relief disappeared when Bhupender's text messages started to become threatening. In one of his texts he sent to Thomas, he said that they can search the whole country for the couple, but that they wouldn't find them. Where is Nadia Malik? Where is Bhupender Singh? The cops are out there looking for the answers. Answers that you will find out in the next episode of the Desi Crime Podcast. This investigation only gets crazier from this point with medical examination reports and more tapes and texts from the family. Until then, stay safe, stay crazy, and stay Desi.